guys. Welcome to week 12 of our sermon series, Tattoo My Soul. This idea comes to us from the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 11. Write my words on your heart and in your soul. Do whatever it takes to remember what I'm telling you. Read my words. Write my words down. Turn my words into art. Talk about my words. You know what? You want to remember them? You want to write them on your soul? Do my words. Put them into action. If you do, God promises, I'll bless you. Do what the Bible says, and I will bless you. Oh, I have to do it perfect? No. But I need to try? Yes. And I will bless you for it. So, one way, as you know, that helps me remember God's Word is that every December or January of the new year, I will sit down with the Lord and I will just confess to Him, hey man, you're God, I'm not. You know what's coming, I don't. You know where I need to grow, I, left to my own designs, would be like, oh, I'm fine the way that I am. And so I'll just go to the Lord humbly and say, would you give me a word? Would you give me a verse that I can keep in front of me all year long? And every year without fail, He does. And every year without fail, it is perfect for me. There's always a promise in it, and the promise always comes true. I got 12 years of asking God for the perfect word for my year to lead and guide me, and 12 promises that have come true as a result of just doing the best that I can to obey them. Now, last week, we discussed the realities of heaven, and I want to touch on that before we move forward by asking and answering the question, well, how do we get to heaven? The Bible is clear in Romans chapter 10, 9 through 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And it wants to underscore that, so it restates the exact same two points in different words. It is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Salvation happens in an instant. It only requires two things. Believe in your heart that Jesus is real and God raised him from the dead, and then tell someone. Tell them with your words. Tell them by getting baptized with a group of people. Tell them by the way you live your life from from that point on. But just believe in your heart that he's real and declare it, and you are saved. The end, period. You're good to go. Now, salvation might happen in an instant, but Salvation is not the end of the road for us. It's the first step on this journey of faith. It's just the beginning. Every single time you come into this room and listen to me preach, every single time you come to small groups and share your burdens and ask for help, every single time you read this book and attempt to obey it, you guys, those are more steps on your journey. Steps are required for this life of faith we've entered into when we confess our faith. Steps, patience, and waiting are required. For the past 12 years, I've asked God what He wants me to know about the coming year, and I turn to the Word for an answer, and I try my best to walk out what He gives me, and every single year the verse comes true. The verse that I've walked through this year, Job, came true for me in a huge way just this past week. Um, a God-only kind of way. But these things don't, don't happen for me. They don't come true overnight. Salvation happens in an instant, but faith is a journey because growth takes time, right? You guys started off small. 
Now, you're big and you're still growing. Growth takes time. It's taken you, some of you, 15, 16, 17 years to get where you are. It's the same principle for faith. Isaiah 46, 8 through 10 says, don't forget this. Keep it in mind. Remember the things I have done in the past. Did you see the way that God just said the same thing three different ways? Don't forget this. Keep it in mind. Remember the things that I've done in the past. For I alone am God. I am God and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. No one in the world, no one in the universe can make that claim. No one. Not man, not tarot card readers, not even the devil himself knows the future and then shares it with us from a place of love and honesty except for God. Remembering who God is, remembering how he works is key to waiting well. Trusting in that is key to waiting well. I want to share with you guys this morning my personal quiet time from 2012 when I walked through Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And this was the year that I was entering my third year of waiting for God to fulfill a promise He'd made to me three years before, that He would give me this student ministry, that He would allow me to lead it. He said that to me, for, for me, as clear as day, didn't happen the first year, didn't happen the second year, and by the beginning of the third year, it still hadn't happened. And that was very much on my mind as I sat down with him in January of 2012 and wrote out, Good morning, Father. Thank you for today. Today marks the beginning of a time of prayer and fasting as we consecrate... I couldn't say it last service either. It's a big word. Consecrate our city to you. And I wanted to have a better understanding of what this word consecrate meant, and so I looked it up. It means to declare or set apart as sacred... It is a solemn commitment of your life or your time to a cherished purpose. And so I asked, Lord, how would you have me fast for my city? And immediately I felt impressed upon that I would only drink liquids, not eat any food, till sundown for the majority of the fast, and that I would stay off of social media during the fast while I was at home because God wanted me to enjoy my family time. Father, as I begin this time of prayer and fasting, I ask you to speak to me about the coming year. You know what lies ahead of me this year, the hardships and the happiness. So give me a word, prepare my head and my heart and my soul. And I opened my Bible by faith, and I landed in this small little book at the end of the Old Testament called Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 1. And it begins, I will climb up to my watchtower, and I will stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how He will answer my complaint. And I wrote, Lord, I'm setting my sights on you this year. I'm placing all my hope in you. You know what I want, and I will wait for you to give it to me. Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3, then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it surely will not 
be delayed. And I wrote, Jesus, grow my patience. I believe you. I trust you. You are the God of just the right place at just the right time. And the verse ended, look at the proud. They trust in themselves, and their lives, as a result, are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness, by their patience, by their waiting in God. And I just wrote, Lord, increase my faith. Multiply my faith. Multiply the faith of my wife, my children, my church. I trust you. Guide my steps in 2012. Lead me and help me walk in confidence. I pray for tremendous faith in you. Amen. Now, a while back, I went through all my life verses, and I wrote little summaries of them, and I want to read you my summary of 2012. It begins, in June of 2012, that's six months later after God gave me the verse that said, wait, I'm about to do a thing. In June of 2012, God gave me the student ministry of Wood's Edge, something that I had been waiting for him to do for three years. Despite the promise of Habakkuk chapter 2, nearly every day of 2012, my final year of waiting found me battling the impulse to quit, to give up. Of all the life verses that I've walked through so far, this one was the hardest. It has also been the most rewarding. Today, I want to talk to you guys about the spiritual discipline of waiting. We're all waiting for something in this life. I hope all of you are waiting for something from the Lord, even if it's just you get to go to heaven. Um, to get the ball rolling and to get us into this and to make it a little personal, I'll ask two questions. The first one is this. Give me an example, you guys, of something you hate to wait for. Anything out there that you just don't love waiting for that drives you bananas when you have to wait? Yes, ma'am. Food, right? Like a microwave's not even fast enough anymore. Like, give me food now. Ah, right? I get it. I'm hungry right now. Just saying that. Thanks a lot. Temptation. A new season of a TV show. Absolutely. Why do they got to wait a whole year? Come on. Sir, movies. You waiting for anything in particular? Terminator. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I should endorse it, but come on. Arnold. What do you got? Waiting for the school day to be over. Waiting for the school year to be over. Who else? What are you guys waiting for? Grades after taking a hard test. Like, how did I do? I want to know. Waiting for football to be over? Like, you don't want to watch it anymore? Or Yeah, for sure. I totally get that. Or you could say just waiting for a hard season period to come to an end. Waiting for the heat to go away. You don't have to wait long, sister. It's supposed to be a cold front tonight. Bring it on. Was there one more over here? Nobody? I know there were more. I want one more. I'm not going to sit down until I get one. Waiting for an album to come out. All right, now I'll sit down. I'm not really sitting down because I'm not done. All right. So, second question related to the first. How do we react when we wait? What's your response when you have to wait and you don't want to? Like, how do... How does it manifest? Like when you don't like waiting for something, what's your kind of go-to response? I'll give you an example to get the ball rolling. I hate, I get very emotional. I get like a little boy that had his toy taken away when I am waiting at a red light that turns green and the person in front of me is like texting. 
it drives me bananas. Who else? How do you guys respond? You have to wait. You complain. Me too. I love you. It's a horrible habit. You should stop. Please help me stop. What do you got in the back? Yes, ma'am. You get really mad. Alex, was that a hand? Make something up. No, don't. Paige, you get frustrated. I totally understand what that means. On the left, yes. You zone out. Yeah, I totally understand that. My wife, she gets like the thousand-yard stare when she's waiting for something, and she just kind of, I call her space bear when she does that because she's just gone. Anybody else? One more? No? No, I'm just going to wait here until somebody gives me one more. I get two. Yes. Distract yourself with social media and completely withdraw. Just go to your room, shut the door, I'm out, I'm checked out. All right, thank you, you guys. All right, to make today's sermon personal for you, right? We shared a little bit of my story, but I don't get up here to share my story, to read my quiet time so you can be like, oh, he talks to God. No, it's an example. So I want this to be personal for you. Grab your prayer tag and your pen. Here's the question for you to keep in front of you or to continue asking as you go. Is there anything in your life that you're waiting for God to do? Do you have anything in your life that you're waiting for God himself to do, whether it be to save a friend or to break a temptation for you or to rescue somebody or to heal somebody? Like, is there anything in your life that you are looking straight at Jesus and I am waiting for you to do this? And just know, if you don't have one, before you leave the room, throw something out there that you can say, God, I'm asking you for this and I'm going to wait. He loves when we ask for stuff like that. If you are writing, keep writing, and if you get one later, you can write it down then. Part of our problem with waiting on God is that we don't understand. We don't have a great understanding of what it is that we're waiting for. We have a bad habit. I have a bad habit of when I'm waiting for God to minimize what it is that I'm waiting for. It makes me think of a a picture that I found online. Here's a shack in the woods. It's old. It's dilapidated. It's not going to be there for long. It's very small. It doesn't have good insulation. Like, I'm waiting for this thing that God said he's going to do, but at the end of the day, I'm kind of thinking that the reward is going to be this small, just junky thing. When in reality, if we read this book and we remembered what it said, we would understand that the end of the road, the things that we're waiting for, more, more like this. And did you see the awe and the wonder on Bilbo's face as he entered this heavenly city? You guys, God's blessings for those who wait, not just heaven, but down here on earth, they are bigger and they are better and they are more beautiful 
than we can even imagine. But too often, we get tired of waiting. We get impatient. We get fussy. We get moody. We get mad, and we abandon what we're waiting for. We decide, I'm just going to go and get this thing myself. And we too often miss the blessing that God had for us in the waiting. I want to share four things that I have learned in the waiting. Waiting for this student ministry, waiting for God to, to give me a woman I could marry, waiting for children, waiting, waiting, and waiting. Life is all about waiting. Time, the most valuable resource we're given, is to be used faithfully. We need to grow and get better at this thing called waiting. Here's four things that I want you to remember. It's possible one of these only will like really grip you. It's possible that they all will. But as I read these examples and share the scriptures that back them up, if you hear one that you're like, that, I need that right there, write it down and go and read it again later because I'm going to go fast. Thing one, we need to remind ourselves in the waiting who we're waiting on, who we're waiting for. Revelation 19, 11 through 16. Use your imaginations as I read these words. I saw heaven open wide, and oh, a white horse and its rider. The rider was named Faithful and True. He judges and makes war in pure righteousness. His eyes are a blaze of fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name inscribed on himself that is known only to himself. He is dressed in a robe soaked with blood, and he is addressed as Word of God. Who are we talking about? Come on. Who are we talking about? Jesus Christ, the Word of God. The armies of heaven mounted on white horses and dressed in dazzling white linen follow him. A sharp sword comes out of his mouth so he can subdue the nations and rule over them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the raging wrath of God, the sovereign strong. On his robe and his thigh is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. We wait on God because he's God. And we're not. We wait on God because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. There is nothing too big for him. He has all the power, all the resources, all the righteousness we need. We wait on God because he is greater and then greater still. Romans 8, 26 through 28. The moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. And if we don't know how or what to pray in the waiting, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. Would you just imagine that moment when you are just like done at the end of yourself, and it's just like a sigh, just like a, I'm, I don't even want to go on anymore. I just want to seclude myself. In that moment, Scripture just said that the Holy Spirit makes prayers out of those wordless sighs and those aching groans. 
because He knows us far better than we know ourselves. And we know that God causes everything, even those moments, to work together for the good of those who love God, and that's you, and are called according to His purpose for them, also you. We wait on God because God knows what we need better than we do. God knows why we sigh even when we don't. And the Holy Spirit is right there with you in those moments of, I am alone and I want out, praying for us. We wait on God because He knows us and knows what we need better than we do. Second point, we need to remind ourselves in the waiting that God's ways are good. They're trustworthy. They're beneficial to us. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. They are plans to give you a future and a hope. We wait on God because God's plans are the best. If I had not waited on God to give me the student ministry and tried to take it for myself, I probably would have ended up fired out of a job or I would have been successful and always wondered what would have happened if I had just trusted the Lord. God's plans, God's timing is good and we just need to know it. We just need to believe it. We need to trust it. Joshua 21.45, not a single one of all the good promises that the Lord has given to the family of Israel has been left unfulfilled. Everything that he has spoken has come true. We wait on God because God's promises always come true. Heaven is a reality. If you have confessed your faith in Jesus, you will see it, and it will be better than you can imagine. God's word always comes true. If God said, forgive them, turn the other cheek when they attack you because I'll bless you for it, he will do it. It will come true. Point number three, in the waiting, whatever you're waiting for, we need to remind ourselves, we need to work to remind ourselves there's blessings in the waiting. There's not just blessings at the end of the waiting. There's blessings in the waiting. Isaiah 64, 1 through 7 a time when God's people were crying out for justice. Now, this is Old Testament, so they're crying out for justice against human oppressors. But we don't fight flesh and blood. We fight a spiritual war. The demons and the devils that are out to get us and crush us and kill us. Think of that oppression as you hear these words, Oh God, that you would rip open the heavens and descend. Make the mountains shudder at your presence. As when a forest catches fire, as when the fire makes a pot to boil, shock your enemies into facing you. Make the nations shake in their boots. You did terrible things we never expected, descended and made the mountains shudder at your presence. Since before time began, no one has ever imagined, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. A God like you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who happily do what is right, who keep a good memory of the way that you work. We wait on God because he works for us. 
when we're waiting. You think when you're waiting, it's just a time of boredom and nothingness? God is doing something in the background bigger than we can imagine. He is working for you in the waiting. And the minute I pick up my plan and march off to do what I think is right, I abandon the work he's doing. Don't do it. Wait and then wait some more. Be patient. Pray. Be calm in the waiting. 2 Peter 3 verse 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about His promise to come and make everything right, as some people think. No, He's being patient. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. We wait for God because waiting gives us time to change the way that we think. Time to grow closer to Jesus. Time for the people around us in our lives that do not believe in God to look at us and say, why are you just letting them roll over you like that? Why are you letting them beat you down? Why aren't you fighting back? Why aren't you doing things the world's way? Because I'm waiting on God. And God just said he will use that to minister to the people around you. Because God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He would rather we stand firm in faith in such a way that is so visible to the people around us that they can't help but say, how are you able to sustain all of this mess? And we can just say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And who knows if they won't be saved by that testimony. Hebrews 11, verse 6. It couldn't get any more simple than this. It is impossible to please God without faith, without hoping for something you can't see, without waiting for God to do something we can't. It is impossible to please God without that. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. We wait for God because he loves, he's blessed by, it pleases him to see us saying, I trust you. I'm going to wait for you. You're worth it. I believe it. He loves that in you. So give it to him with everything you have. Last point. We need to work to remind ourselves, remind ourselves that waiting is also an opportunity. It's a beautiful opportunity. It's not just sitting and doing nothing. There's stuff going on. James 1, 2 through 4, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Right now, before I read that again, what's your trouble? What's harassing you? What's keeping you up at night? Bring it to mind and listen to God's word to you. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy joy. For you know that when your faith, your waiting, your patience on God is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. We wait on God in those tough, dark moments because it's an opportunity for our faith to get bigger, to grow. Philippians 4, 8 through 9, one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is 
true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me, everything you heard me say and saw me do, and then the God of peace will be with you. We wait on God because it's an opportunity to think about good things instead of all the junk that the world and the enemy throw at us. We wait on God because it's an opportunity to practice what we preach even when we don't feel like it because that's where growth happens. Somebody said, I'm ready for football season to be over. I'm tired. I'm done. Do you know that when you work out, when you are ready to be done, when your arms are hurting the worst and you just give five more reps, that that's when your muscles grow? When faith opportunities come and it is just like, I can't go any further, that's when your faith has an opportunity to get strong. That moment when you feel like giving up, that's the key moment to go a little further by the grace of Jesus. Philippians 4, 5 through 7, last scripture. Remember, the Lord is coming back soon, so don't worry about anything. The Lord is coming back soon, so all the things you're worrying about, don't. Instead, pray about everything. What a countercultural thing to say. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Do you need something today? I charge you right now in your mind or on that paper. Tell God what you need, and then thank Him for all He's done. Write down one thing you're grateful for, and then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything that we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Jesus Christ. We wait for God because it's an opportunity to pray and to worship when we want to give up. When we feel like giving up, that's when we pray and that's when we worship and that's when breakthrough happens. When we remember, you guys, who we're waiting for, when we Remind ourselves what he has promised. Our waiting doesn't have to look like this. Show me my picture of the rageaholic. This is how I feel in the car waiting for someone to go who's on their phone. It's ridiculous that I have such a juvenile reaction. But when we wait and we feel like we can't wait anymore, this is the world's way. Freak out, yell, scream, punch something. But you guys, if we can work to remind ourselves in these moments who God is and what's coming, our waiting can look a little more like this.
gospel according to Groot. I could preach a whole sermon on that one-minute clip, you guys. The way that that little childlike person had no fear, danced as the world was being torn apart around him, people looking at him saying, what are you doing? Why aren't you freaking out like everybody else? Because he had faith in something greater than himself. He knew my friends have my back. They're more powerful than me. I don't need to worry. And I got something inside of me that if I need to, will break through the gates of hell. You guys, this is a picture of how to wait well when you know your faith is in something bigger and better than you. I'm going to invite the band to come up here as we wrap up our sermon. I want to share one last illustration that I read this week on social media that I'd never really thought about before that just blew my mind and just really ties all of this together. I want to show you a picture of some sheeps, and I want you to look at that photo as I read something to you. Life as a sheep is tough, and sometimes sheep, they'll get their heads caught in briars And they will often die trying to get untangled. And sometimes sheep also fall victim to these horrid little flies that lay eggs in their nostrils. And these eggs turn into worms that dig into the sheep's brains and drive them mad. Often the sheep will beat their heads against rocks, sometimes to death, trying to escape the torment in their mind. That is why the good shepherd anoints the sheep's head with oil. The oil forms a soothing barrier of protection against all infestation. Have you ever experienced mental torment? Have you allowed worry to invade your mind? Do you ever feel like beating your head against a wall just to make it all stop? The Word, worship, prayer anoint our heads with oil, and they protect us. They bless us, and they give us peace In the waiting, there is so much more to reading this book and remembering what it says. It will protect you. It will bless you. It will give you peace. What are you waiting for? When you are done and at the end of yourself in the waiting, when your thoughts are going to a place that is dark and violent, open this book. Open your mouth and pray. Open your mouth and sing and find your thoughts protected and and richer 
and blessed. And you will find at those moments, I, actually, I can go a little further, God. I can grow a little more. I'm going to read one last scripture over you. And I pray that you will receive these words as an anointing oil. As I read this last verse, I want you to picture yourself standing before the throne of God, Him pouring out golden oil, covering you from head to toe. And as it happens, as you hear it, just say, Jesus, please protect me, bless me, give me peace in the waiting. Bow your heads. Hebrews 10, 32 through 39. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule. You were beaten up. And sometimes you helped others who were suffering those same things. You suffered right along with those who were thrown in jail. And when you had all that was yours taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you, things that will last forever. Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it's bringing you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that God has promised for in just a little while the coming one will come and he will not delay. And my righteous ones will live by their faithfulness to God. But I will take no pleasure in those who turn away. Thank God we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. No, we are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Jesus, increase our faith. Help us take up your word and use it the way it was always intended to be used as a tool for growth, as a tool for getting to know you, as a way to have relationship, healing, blessing, peace. May we remember, and every time we read it, may we feel the anointing oil being poured out, protecting and restoring. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Respond as you feel led.